everyone. You're listening to Like Her, the podcast that celebrates women doing fantastic things in the realms of beauty, fitness, wellness, and everything else in between. Like Her is a space for women to share their ideas, have honest conversations, and most importantly, have a good laugh. I'm Rosanna, and each episode, I'll be speaking to an inspiring woman that will hopefully make you think, I like her. So on that note, get yourself comfy, get yourself a nice drink, and enjoy the episode. Hi everyone, welcome to the third episode of Like Her, a podcast celebrating women doing fantastic things. Uh, today's guest is a VIP, it's my mum, Rosemary Arroyo, that sounds weird saying your name. Um, so today we are just going to be talking a little bit about therapy. I did an Instagram poll uh, between two sort of issues which were anxiety and self-esteem. And for 24 hours, uh, it just constantly switched between the two. But when it ended, um, anxiety won, which to be honest, I wasn't surprised about. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Mother. Thank you. I want to just talk about your professional background because you're a therapist, but a lot of people always ask me if you're a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a psychotherapist. No, not Which you're not. So can you just um, briefly explain your training and your background? Because you never um, initially started out as a therapist. So if you just want to talk about what you're qualified in and what your background is. Okay. Uh, my qualification in regard to doing therapy. Well, I don't like to call it therapy, really, because it's just that word. I am a certified NLP master practitioner, which means... I've done all the relevant levels of NLP training to get to master practitioner, which is the highest. So not very many people know what NLP is. What does it stand for and what is it? NLP just stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is neuro, which is obviously to do with the mind. Yeah. Linguistic, which is to do with language and um, programming is sort of putting it all together, putting it all together, how your mind structures it. So really, a simple way to explain is it's a, it's a toolbox of things that you can use in order to um, feel happier, move your life on, and uh, just get on with your life, really. It's really actually what we do naturally as human beings. It's just that we're not taught to be aware of what we do yeah. as human beings when we do things really well. Yeah. So you didn't start... No. doing like one-on-one -on -one therapy do you want to just explain to because with N I obviously know about NLP but a lot of people don't so like you said it's a toolbox and if you just want to talk about what you used to do like in the 80s what you and okay. dad used to do um because that was not like therapy at no. all was it okay no originally I I started off in I, I didn't go to university because I was sort of growing up in the 70s and back then um, we weren't a wealthy family either, so you didn't really go to university unless you were sort of more middle class or upper yeah. class. Or if you were very, very bright and you got a scholarship to a grammar school, which possibly I could have done, but I just messed around and I didn't really have a lot of support in that area, so I didn't, I didn't bother. So you just got a job, basically. So I just did various things and I 
was a showroom model for a while in the West End, <laughs> which me and my friend just used to go up to the West End and knock on a door, go into a show, fashion showroom and say, hey, do you need anybody? And that would be, um, I went to a company called Radley Fashions, which was ball gowns. <laughs> so I'd have to sort of prance up and down in the ball gowns and then get the customers to order. Yeah. Um, so that's like the the little roots of the salesy kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, because back then you could do that. You didn't have to have a CV. You know, you yeah. just knocked on the door and they thought, oh, she sounds good and she looks good. Great. Um, but even so, even if it wasn't in fashion, you could literally just knock on doors and ring people up. And yeah. If they thought you could do the job, you'd get it, which is great. Yeah. Cut long story short, went into marketing and that was sort of starting on telephone, doing telephone sales and then working up to managing a group of people that were on the phones. And then I went into the sales, which was actually selling. Mm. So we were selling the telephone marketing programs to clients. And then there was another arm of the company that did uh, communication skills trainings for companies. So I really liked that and I went into that. So really corporate very then. corporate. So we used to train people um, to uh, sell on the telephone or to deal with customer inquiries or management training or presentation skills training. So we did that. So I got training in how to do that. So I learned how to present to people. And then we sort of started to touch on NLP then. And then NLP was more to do with business. Yeah. And then it sort of morphed into, um, you know, you could take it into other areas. But then it just happened that we ended up working with clients. Yeah. Because it is for business. It is for therapy. But the thing about NLP is it's just life. Yeah. It is just stuff for life. And as I said, it's what we do naturally as human beings but it's just breaking it down and understanding it becoming aware of it so you can apply it so you can apply it when you need to because when things are going well that's fantastic you don't need to but if you're anxious stressed need to change your life in some way and you don't feel able that's when you need to be resourceful and know hang on a minute how have I done it before cool to anybody that doesn't know my parents live in Bath and um, obviously it's a really wealthy area and when my dad first got asked by this um by this friend or business partner whatever it became I just remember it happened very quickly how many inquiries my parents got so it was very it was very swept under the carpet it wasn't made public it was all word of mouth and it was very much so oh we know so and so they've got an eating disorder or they've got their son's Mm. got a drug problem and blah 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 and blah blah and it was all very kept under the carpet because nobody wanted to know that their kids had problems because they're all meant to be these successful kids so it went really really it was like rapid dad got one client who lots of people in bath and the that area knew yeah and they knew that that this particular person was very very it was anorexia knew that she was very very ill and then couldn't believe how much better she she changed and the fact that she was completely better again yeah and that's that's how it sort of and then I think with wealthy cities, there's like those little connections. So it then goes mm. from Bath to Oxford to Gloucestershire to where, uh, like Devon. Oh, everywhere. Well, everywhere, really. Everywhere. So talking about anxiety, um, I think it's nowadays a word that we hear almost daily. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's a word that people kind of exaggerate or they they mock 
a lot. They'll be like, oh, I'm so anxious. Um, and I've got friends who, who've got have had mental health issues and they say it really winds them up when people talk about being so anxious or being OCD because it's there is a there is a line there is a boundary between what what actual anxiety disorders are and just feeling a bit stressed out so with the clients that you see what sort of proportion of your clients come to you because I don't know because they're anxious is it like a large proportion or and if so like do you have more men come to you or, or more women I'd say most of them come because of anxiety. Yeah. Now, that can be general sort of anxiety. So if it's an adult, they they could just say, I'm really anxious. If it's a parent on behalf of their kids, it could be they're suffering from anxiety or it... It, it it depends how it presents itself. It can be an eating disorder because an eating disorder is just the manifestation of quite extreme anxiety as well yeah so it the way that I think about therapy and the way that I work is I don't tend to like the labels they are there and you have to refer to them but part of the way that I help people is to is to help them understand or make them become aware of it's something outside of yourself it isn't just something that descends or came in your bedroom window one night and you woke up anxious or you woke up with an eating disorder that doesn't happen you're doing something internally yeah okay so how do you define anxiety i'd say anxiety is the like the resulting emotion of worry okay so someone says oh i'm a warrior they worry that i mean to me worrying now i know because i used to be because you're really super anxious. used to be super anxious <laughs> I used to be really anxious I was really my mum is the biggest warrior <laughs> ever i was terrible and particularly when i had kids because it was like there's so much to do all the time and i never felt like i could sit down so i feel like i'm quite an expert on that one and i feel good with clients with anxiety because i feel like i've not just learned something and i'm passing it on i've experienced it and changed while I've done it and how important do you think it is um as a therapist to be able to do that I think it's really important I think it's important because if people coming to you with problems they want to feel sort of they can trust you and they want to feel safe and I think if it's a bit schwonky if you've just learnt something yeah people sort of pick that up and I think because I know about I really do know what it's like to feel anxious um, I feel like I, I, you know, I'm okay with that and people understand that and they pick that up. So I get really good results with it. And I okay. think that's important. So um, why do you think you're an anxious person? <laughs> We're turning <laughs> the therapy on to you got? now. How long have we got? But I think it's interesting for people to know because, and it's helpful as well. And I think this is why you're good at what you do and people that are genuine tend to get better results is because... I think you reveal a bit about yourself, which, like you said, makes people trust you. Maybe talk about your anxiety and, like, in the family as well. So you're one of seven. Okay, so I'm 58 in May. Yeah. So I'm 60s child, and I grew up in the 70s, which I think weren't particularly a fantastic... I mean, they were a great time, but there was strange time to sort of grow up really it was yeah. a funny old time yeah i'm i'm number six of seven children six girls one boy we we didn't have any money 
Uh, my parents never had any money, so they sort of came from quite poor backgrounds. You haven't said where you've grown up yet. <laughs> oh, sorry, I grew up in Essex. I'm an Essex girl. <laughs> yeah. And so am I, but we just don't sound it. We yeah. managed to kick the accent <laughs> in time. Um, yeah, I grew up in Essex, and actually, despite not having money and stuff like that, I have got quite nice memories of growing up because um, I spent quite a lot of time with my mum working on she used to work on a farm run the farm shop and do potato picking and stuff like that mm. so all summer I used to run around on a farm and help the pigmen with the baby pigs and stuff like that so that was lovely and I think nature was really important for me but the other side of it was we didn't have any money granddad you know my dad was uh, in and out of prison a few times so I probably sucked up anxiety from that mm. my mum being at home on her own with the kids mm. my dad being away at his office as he used to call it he never murdered anybody by the way. <laughs> he wasn't a violent criminal no no he just grew up in a you know he grew up in really wheeling poor, dealing really poor times he was a bit woo and a bit woo yeah. um so just make that clear so i think probably I, I i definitely if i look back felt when i look back there was anxiety and i i sort of sucked it up you were really shy when you were I little as well shy, really and you were sensitive and you would never believe it now because you're the least shy person yeah. ever i was really shy and i my one of my memories was that uh, because i used to have very long hair very very long hair and i used to have a big bum mum used to put it up in a big bum and we used to go across to the shops just up the road and people would stop and say, oh, isn't she pretty? Isn't she pretty? <laughs> and I used to cringe and cover my face and hide under mum's coat or go behind mum. And they entered me for Miss Pears, which, <laughs> which back then was like... America's Next the, Top Model. Yeah, beauty contest, because I was such a sweet, pretty little girl. And it was all sort of staged. I was at the shop, in the shop, sort of this little shop precinct near where we lived and the cameras came and I wouldn't look at the camera. Yeah. I just would not look at the camera and it didn't matter what they did or said, I wouldn't do it. Aww. So I basically fucked that up. Yeah. I, that was my chance of fame and stardom and riches and that went down the swanny because I was so shy. Yeah. Um, and they cut all, your mum cut all your hair off, didn't she? Yeah, and then because I used to scream, it used to hurt so much when she's brush, you know when she brushed my hair in the morning because it was knotty and thick. And one day I got picked up from school, and the next thing I knew, I was in the hairdressers and had like a page boy. <laughs> it's like a bowl, ba basin cut. No wonder you oh. had fucking anxiety. Oh I would my be god, so anxious and, and embarrassed. I could, yeah, and I never forget. I was like, what was his name from South Park? <laughs> <laughs> with the hood Kenny is Kenny in his little anorak with his hood up I was like that for about three days <laughs> I went to school and I was just so conscious of the fact that I'd had my hair cut and I thought people were going to make fun of me and it just didn't feel like me it yeah. was so weird um, and yet you've had short hair and yeah, forever now, yeah I've had and short it's... hair for, so she did me a favour really yeah. so. but I was just sensitive I, I know that I was sort of sensitive and I know actually that I'd say 99.9% of the clients that come, they're sensitive. I was just about to say, do you think there's a really yeah. high correlation between being sensitive yeah. and, and anxiety? And it's not Definitely. necessarily a bad thing. It's If anything, if you're sensitive, it probably means you're a bit more caring and a bit it's, more... Yeah, it's lovely. And even the when if they've, if they've got anorexia and they can be really you know, quite um, 
badly Hard. behaved and, yeah. and naughty at heart. I mean, really naughty at home, rude and deceitful and, and, and terrible. They're still sensitive. Yeah. It's just that's how they've learned to, that's the strategy they've used to sort of overcome whatever's going on with them. So, yeah. Yeah, sensitivity definitely plays a part and feeling a bit different. So, okay, feeling a bit different in what, what way do you mean? Well, I always sort of felt a bit sort of not quite on the planet. and Yeah, but you're still not on the planet. Yeah, That's... Like, thank you very much. <laughs> I used to um, go off up into the woods. We had a wooded area called the Common and I used to go up there and the gypsies lived up there and they had lots of their horses on the common and I used to go up there and I used to go right into the middle of the woods and sit on big branches and trees and just love that mm. and get on the horses and I befriended the gypsies. <laughs> I never forget when my dad found out, he said, you mustn't, you mustn't play with the gypsies because they eat hedgehogs. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? He said, they bake hedgehogs, which maybe they did back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that really scared me. I thought, oh no. Do you think maybe that nowadays people are getting anxious because they can't just go into the woods and hang out a bit if they're oh, gotcha. feeling a bit yeah 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 like you can't how old were you when you were doing that oh, six yeah seven. can you imagine a six-year-old going into ashton court on a horse no, no. like it just wouldn't happen so and maybe we were we did have stranger danger and we were aware of stuff like that and it's funny because i know i've told you the story but when we were smaller there was an old man that lived around um when we lived in harlow and in the summer, he used to go around flashing. Mm. He had a big raincoat and a mac. Yeah. We used to go and find him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nowadays, kids be traumatised and, you know, they're going to get counselled. We used to go and actively look for him because we found that really funny. Yeah. So, and it's, that shows you the change in things. I'm not saying it's okay that yeah. you did it. Of course it's not, but... That was really funny. That was like something to do on in the school holidays. Which yeah. Is go and find him. It's <laughs> hilarious. So just talking about the sensitivity thing with clients mm. and stuff, what do you what do you say to them if how they're feeling is a result of the fact that they're sensitive? Because you can, I'm a sensitive person. I mean, I can be really hard and like disconnected as well. But I think like what do you say to them to say okay well in certain situations to manage your anxiety don't be so sensitive like what how do you say it well from because of the way that i work i a lot lot of it is questioning okay so like in nlp there's a lot of um questions because if you question eventually you get down to the what's so yeah so so give an example because what's funny i think it was actually I think it might have been Larissa I don't know who I saw it on Instagram the other day somebody put a picture up of like the questioning thing where you question like why am I worried why is that why is that why is that yeah. why is that and you get to it and it's like well there's nothing I can do about that well so also, I mean the question so I've asked questions and then from what they've said I can tell that they're sensitive okay so once it's acknowledged a lot of the time they just having that acknowledged oh right it's because I'm sensitive even if they don't like it some of them think no I'm not no I'm not you know yeah but they they start to understand and then I talk to them about how it's okay to be different quite a lot of young people when they've got that going on it's because they're comparing themselves and they think they should be interested in certain things they think they should be wearing certain things that you know it's that Mm. thing they think they should be listening to certain things but some of them 
you know, are really interested in physics. Yeah. Or looking at the stars, but that might not be cool with, say, the group of girls that are the group of girls to be. Do you think it's a girl thing as well or a boy thing? Have you had... Because I just, I think maybe it's important to just mention that quite a high proportion of my parents' clients come from wealthy backgrounds. More affluent, yeah. Yeah. Um, So definitely have more money, private school, lots of holidays, whatever they want, basically. Materially, if that's even a word. So would you say... Well, I think you see more girls than boys anyway, think, don't you? I think girls sort of tend to compare themselves more mm. and have it stronger to want to fit in. Yeah. Whereas boys, I think a, a lot more boys are more generally sort of okay if they're into physics. You think that's because of the inequality between the sexes? May, um, I don't know, but they just seem to be a bit more okay with that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because well, it's, it's easier for guys, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it's that old sort of girl, you know, girls are bitches. Yeah. You know, and when they're together and, you know, not all girls, of course, but they can be, as you've said yourself, yeah. it's, it's tough girls. And then... So what, what advice do you give? Because a lot of your clients are like 14, 13, 15, like young teenagers. So um, I think Some it's... Some older. I, I know, adults, I know. But yeah. I think, I do think it's easier as you get older, mm. to n- not care about fitting in. But if there's somebody that's got a younger sister that's having a hard time that's listening, like, what do you tell your your little clients when they're worried about fitting in? Well, I suppose it's difficult in just one sort of answer because you're working with them over a period of time. Mm. But it's it's having them understand that it's it's actually okay to be themselves. And by that... It's, you know, when we get maybe in more into the podcast, yeah. we talk more about what we do with anxiety, but questioning thoughts, their mindset. Because it's like if, if a 14-year-old says, yeah, but, you know, to be popular, you've got to be um, pretty and have lots of friends and go on holidays. I say, according to who? <laughs> yeah. So... What do they say when you when you ask them that? Well, they, they they'll say... Well, because that because that's that's how it is. Oh. Yes, according to who? And they usually go. They might sort of say, "My friend," or "So and so said that," or "I saw that on Facebook," or "I saw mm. that here." But uh, well, me, yeah, you. What evidence do you have for that? How do you know that that's true? So it's asking them to question really the main belief. So if they've got a belief that to be popular, you've got to be skinny, pretty, have loads of friends. And, you know, you know, be the popular girl. Yeah. You have to question where you get that information. And today, the reason why I think it's different to when I was younger was because we didn't have all the technology. We didn't have as many opportunities to compare ourselves in a negative way. Yeah. You know, I used to watch Top of the Pops on a Thursday evening and watch Pan's People, the dance group. Mm. And I wasn't like, oh, is her bum bigger than mine? Should I look like that? Yeah. Are her legs better than mine? It was just like, oh, wow, they're great dancers. Could I be a dancer? Yeah. Whereas now, probably a lot of young girls, straight women, will be assessing their yeah. bodies physically and what's mine like compared to hers. And, oh, she looks better than me. And da, da, da. Whereas we didn't have that. So can we just talk about... I know that you had a client who was very young 
who had an eating disorder and when you got to the bottom of it it was because she wanted a thigh gap like the girls on Instagram yeah so can you just what are you what's your view on social media and Instagram and that kind of thing because um, I think for I just think there should be an age ban on it yeah because I think anybody however strong you are if you're 14 years old and you're you've got access to so many images of bodies it would turn anybody mad really yeah well generally one of the things that we usually end up doing particularly with the eating disorders is their parents just have to ban them yeah from social media because the thing is when you ask someone with an eating disorder how it started I mean, they didn't. They didn't go to bed and wake up one morning and say, "I'm going to have anorexia." Yeah, they, it just doesn't. It's like usually an unconscious decision somewhere. Someone's made a comment or they've seen something. So you have to find out where they get that information from, and then stop that information until they're strong enough to and be able also, to see it and not yeah, react to it. And also have them question it because I, I've had clients say, you know, I had a client that was at boarding school she went she was absolutely not too but not too bad she was quite confident went to boarding school sat down at lunch three girls sat with her and she was into her food and they said oh you've got to be really careful because um you'll end up like the fatties the fatty boarders and she said what do you mean she said well the boarders eat three meals a day and they sometimes have two puddings now she not enough (laughs) now she wasn't fully confident so in order for her to feel like she wanted to fit in she went around she went along with that Mm. and within a couple of days she's running around the field with them at lunchtime instead of eating and she'd say rose is it is it bad to eat two puddings a day asking the wrong person there you can have three puddings a day if you want but that so where do you get that information from well they told me yeah well where did they get that information from so the more you question you'll find out and then you'll get to a point where it's like ah and they have to tell the truth in some way that it's silly yeah so that kind of makes me think that it's related to mindfulness and you say the word mindful maybe twenty thousand times a day Mm. and you're really into mindfulness so do you think that questioning is a form of mindfulness is that what it is because Um, not only are you questioning the client I'm guessing that you tell the client to go home and start doing that themselves yeah a very big part of NLP is awareness so the more aware you are of what's going on outside of yourself the more that you can see clearly the more the better decisions you make and you start to understand how your mind's working if your attention is fully on yourself like constantly on yourself you don't see that so you're not making very good decisions and you're not aware of your thinking so you can't catch the negative thinking patterns so a big part of Uh, NLP is about awareness and it sort of ties in with mindfulness as well because it's about slowing down being in the moment and the more that you learn to do that on a daily basis yeah can you can you make can you apply it to sort of day-to-day life because you're not talking about sitting down doing 10 minutes of mindfulness which is what we're all told to do at the moment and I think the way that you explain it's a lot better and it's a lot more useful there's nothing wrong with taking 10 minutes out to do the mindfulness but I think Properly practicing mindfulness is constant, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's like a part-time job. My, I always say to my clients, and I have to remind myself as well, which is what the Dalai Lama said, 
we're human beings, not human doings. Yeah. And unfortunately, more so today, there's so much to do because you know younger people have just got so much more pressure on them yeah and there's you're bombarded there's visual images everywhere there's images everywhere do this do this you know you need to have a partner you need to go running you need to go down the gym you need mm. to have a nice car you need to dress like this you need to be on instagram you need mm. it's just endless and that's not even getting yourself to work and getting yeah. yourself through life so once you've done a bit of mindfulness you know what it is yeah and it doesn't take that long it literally can take about 15 minutes to learn how to do it and then you just re- you just reapply it so during the day sometimes I can feel myself getting anxious and everybody has a a, a trigger or a point where they can feel themselves starting to go and the big thing for me was noticing when I started to go into that yeah because it's no good once you've been in you're into it and you're in stressed up to the eyeballs yeah so I know so for you what are the little triggers that you know you're getting anxious I get a feeling in my body so it's important to be aware of your body which the mindfulness you focus on your body and and on your thoughts Mm. so you become aware in your body of where the what the feeling is so I get it in my chest yeah there it sort of goes tight and I get quite breathy. So when I get that, I, I notice it now. So I yeah. can stop myself. And it literally is just, and I even say myself, say to myself, get back in the moment. Yeah. So I pull myself back and just in the moment. So that is a really simple thing to do. And then the other thing that I do, because anxiety and stress is just trying to control things that are out of your remit. Mm. Whether or not I can pay the mortgage in six months' time, I I can sort of do something about it now, I, as long as I keep working. And but you don't know what's going to happen, but so yeah, you can't... Yes, so, you know, it's thoughts. It's just lots and lots of thoughts. And ha- what happens is you have one thought, and then that triggers off a, like, 10, 15 thoughts. So yeah. Before you know it, you're worried Overwhelmed. and you're stressed. Yeah. So you have to look at those thoughts, question those thoughts, because a lot of those thoughts... They're just thoughts. Yeah. But it's what we do with them that makes us anxious. And when I said at the beginning, anxiety doesn't just descend. We are doing something. What we're doing internally, it's like a recipe. If I asked you when you're anxious and I asked you, what's it like in your body? What's going on in your mind? Mm. Visual? Is it more feelings? Is it more visual? It would probably be completely different to mine. So... It's becoming aware of what it is, what the recipe is that you're doing. Yeah, so it's very personal to that person, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a mechanical process. So that so once you know it, you can break it down and then you can change it. Mindfulness is quite an active thing. Yeah, it isn't just sitting and you know sitting in your on your bed. Well, I think uh, meditation and mindfulness gets a bit of a yeah. It gets put in the same thing. I would say that meditation is when you allocate that ten minutes yeah to be mindful. Whereas yeah. mindfulness is um, throughout the day. And it's funny because I had the Headspace app on my phone, and it's when I used to commute to Bradford Navon. Which, if anybody knows, the train journey from Bristol to Bradford Navon is one of the best views out of the window you go past Warley Weir and the water and there's fields and Mm. it's in the summer it's just completely green and it's just amazing and I remember I was doing this headspace thing and 
I was like, I don't need to do this because I was being mindful just looking out the window. Mm. So it's those, would you say it's those little things like just noticing what's going around? Yeah, Yeah, and I think young people today, I don't mean to generalise about young people, but, you know, they've got headphones on, they're on their phones, on the buses, on trains. It's like a lot of younger people just are so used to using that as, you know, because it's great, that they don't really have time out from that. Yeah. So to just sit and, like you say, look out the window slows you down. But if yeah. you're constantly, you know, zapped up to something and you're looking and scrolling and constantly watching, active, it's just your mind is going to be active. And I always think during the day, it's like being on the motorway. You know, you've been on the motorway for a long time. You get a bit sleepy. You need a break. So you pull off. That's what you need to do with your mind. Okay. And another way is. It's like a naughty dog. You've got a naughty dog that's jumping up everybody, running around, jumping on the furniture. Your mind is like that. Mm. And what you need to do is you need to train your mind. So it's like you need to get a lead on the dog, teach it to sit down quietly, get it to lay down. And then you've got a nice dog that people like having around. And it's the same with your mind. It's just... Another part of your body, isn't it? Yeah. Another bit of advice I just wanted to ask you about is what you said is it's about becoming mindful so that when you get that little knot in your stomach or the thing in your chest, you know that it's about to happen. Or the thought. Or the thought or whatever it is. But obviously a lot of people that suffer from anxiety don't notice that initial bit. What would your... And I think this is quite a hard question because I wouldn't know what to do. What would your advice be to somebody that might get so anxious that they can't get out of bed or they're in the middle of a shopping centre and they are having a panic attack where it gets to that point where it's completely overwhelming and it becomes a physical thing. What would your advice be to... Because surely you've had clients that get panic attacks and... Yeah, of course. And the thing is... When it, you're when they're in that physical moment where it's like, fuck, I'm going to die or whatever it is well, they're thinking... you have thinking, to breathe. What would you say the first thing is? You have to breathe. Okay. Because the breathing stops it sort of like uh, regulates your system yeah because your adrenaline's firing because that's the fight or flight yeah but if you breathe you know you take your deep breathe breaths it slows the whole thing down because the panic is the thoughts yeah (gasps) my body's going like this and something's going to happen and it isn't your body's just your body's just breathing quickly but it's the thoughts you know, if you if someone isn't seeing a therapist or they don't have anything on hand, you know, you can go to the go to the doctor and the doctor can show you how to do that probably, yeah. or guide, uh, steer you towards somewhere online or something or a yeah. website where they'll you can learn that that breathing because the breathing is the most important thing. Well, I think that's why so many people do yoga because I think anybody that does yoga, once they've done it, they just want to tell everybody about how good it is because, well, when I first started doing yoga, I just thought it was going to make me really lean. I was still really young and really vain and just wanted to be toned. And after one lesson, I had a really good yoga teacher who just basically read my body like a book. And she was like, you're like this, you're a type A personality. How long did you do ballet for? Blah, blah, blah. She knew everything about me. And I was so 
like fascinated that she could read that from my body I was like well I don't want her to just think that she knows me I'm gonna get better at this because I'm that type of person and then that's when I realized it was about the breathing and I think the good thing about yoga is yeah in the class you you do your exercise and you learn how to do the breathing but outside of the class when you catch yourself being out of breath or stressy you remember to breathe so maybe if somebody's not strong enough to control their thoughts or calm down their thoughts maybe doing something like yoga regularly is is maybe better for them and also i think the great thing about technology is that there's there is lots of stuff available yeah i mean there's it's it's one of those flip sides because a lot of people younger people particularly have got anxiety because they go on and self-diagnose themselves yeah and you've got idiots on there that think they know what they're doing because they've read a bit of a book Mm. or or picked up another bit of information from yeah. somewhere, and then everybody goes on there, goes, oh, I've got anxiety. Yeah. And the truth is, a lot of clients, when they come, it isn't really anxiety, it's just life. Yeah. It's just that life is quite fast now, and pressurised, and they've got lots of expectations on them. So it's it's really getting them to a point where you know yeah this is life and it's really tough Mm. but to call it anxiety sometimes for certain people is not a good thing yeah because it isn't anxiety is life is stressful and difficult would you say that um because i know that you don't like the labels thing and i think it is appropriate for some people that Mm. have true anxiety disorders have you had clients that have true like proper proper anxiety disorders and can you see the difference between them and then people who might just be feeling overwhelmed and don't know how to deal with it is there like a you can tell the difference yeah but i think also what's happened is generally those people with the disorder they've had it for longer yes it's more cemented yeah and um, the thing is, what you practice, you become. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, with the way that I do things in NLP, it, it's not so much about, oh, I'm that type of person. It's more to do with what you're doing internally to yourself. So, it's a habit. Yeah. And a lot of clients, what's great is they get to the point where they see they've got a habit. Now, that habit could be an eating disorder mm. uh, it could be lack of confidence they're talking to themselves in a particular way telling themselves something over and over again oh I'm really bad at that oh I'm really oh I haven't got any car- oh I couldn't do that oh they I go I they go to I go to a party and I'm not very good in socially but social circumstances and I just know people aren't interested in mm. me oh how do you know that well I often go over and speak to somebody and they're sort of looking over their shoulder or you know, they'll say something like that. And I say, well, how do you know it's that they're not interested in you? Mm. Because if I go to a, a social situation like that and someone's looking over their shoulder, I think, oh, are they looking at the clock? Yeah. Have, have they got to be somewhere? Yeah. Whereas a less confident person thinks it's about them. Yeah. So, you know, there's lots of things. And it might, it, with you, it might be about you. They might not yeah, want to speak not, to you, but you don't but care I, I because don't you've care. got the confidence. Yeah. That's so the difference. That's when you said about I sort of tell people about myself I sort of do include myself and talk about myself so you know there's all these different things that go to make up anxiety and it's a habit yeah and when you get that it's a habit and you sort of disassociate from yourself and see what you're doing internally it doesn't overwhelm you and it doesn't control you, you just go oh right yeah this is my anxiety pattern 
Yeah. Which is how you get control of it. Yeah. Cool. Can I just say, there's also, you can probably get it online. In fact, I know you can. If you go on YouTube, you've got Paul McKenna does it. Quite a few people do it. And it's the thought-filled therapy. Okay, what's that? And that, for those like panicky situations, is really good. It's a system where you tap. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I thought it was the tapping. You do the tapping. And that is really good for those really... Panicky. Anxiety people that... (gasps) Yeah. Something's happening. And I had, just very quickly, I had a lady that got to the point where she couldn't go out the house even to pick her kids up. Is that agoraphobic? Well, it was anxiety, but... It probably yeah, would develop But is that, that what it's called when people were yeah. scared to go outside? She was, she was just getting to that point. So yeah. we got her in time. It probably would have gone into that. So, uh, and she didn't want to go shopping and stuff like that. Anyway, she came. She only had a few, se- three sessions. And I showed her the tapping. And some people that really worked. Anyway, she managed to get out. And I never forget, she said she was in Debenhams. This was <laughs> like three months afterwards. She was in Debenhams and it was Christmas. And it was a huge queue. And she was at the back of the queue and she started, it, her breathing yeah. started and she felt herself getting panicky and everything. And she thought, I can't do it here. I can't, I'm going to look really stupid because I told her, it doesn't matter where you are, if you want to crack it, you've got to do it. Yeah. And uh, she oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. And she said she turned round and at the halfway up the queue was a woman tapping, tapping <laughs> madly tapping on her forehead tapping on her chest bone tapping yeah. on the back of her hand and she thought fuck it if she's doing it i'm doing it she well i think that is mad women you know that tapping. is the like the joy of knowledge and the media is yeah. everybody's aware of stuff and people are a lot more sensitive and a lot more considerate i think yeah. so if i saw I would think maybe they're doing some meditation or some stress. Yeah. You, you you see it quite a lot out in public, yeah. people taking a moment for themselves, which I think is really good that people Absolutely. That aren't But I really, really recommend YouTube, Paul McKenna, The Tapping. Yeah. The okay. Tapping, yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, this is like segued nicely into like affordability and therapy. Like we were joking the other day because there's such a stigma in the uk i think like in america they're all kind of like oh i've got a great therapist like oh you should have my therapist and it's like they they're very open about it and i think here it's kind of like oh i'm seeing well i've been speaking to somebody i'm seeing a therapist and um i don't think that's good because and i do think it's getting better but i don't think it's good because if you it's the same old thing if you broke your leg you'd go to the doctor so if you're not feeling great in your mind then why wouldn't you go and see yeah. someone and i think one of the main reasons is it's not really something that people are nowhere to find what would you say to somebody like say they've got the money because it does cost money it is expensive but there is a reason for that and mm. what what would you say the biggest reason of the cost is Apart from the fact that for the therapist, it's that time. You're paying for somebody's time as well. Because I know that doing massage and stuff. Yeah. A lot of alternative therapy does cost more. And I think that's mainly because it's personal and it's one-on-one. So it's taking that, that therapist's time. Yeah. But also, what, what do you think? Well, I d- it, unfortunately, you know, the NHS isn't really equipped. Yeah. So So the only alternative is... Private. Private. And, um, of course, private is always money. Yeah. But I think, haven't you said before that it's not so much about charging people a lot of money? It's more 
putting a price on how they want to get better. Yeah, because the because thing it's is, a commitment, if, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, if I pay sixty pound to go and see an osteopath, I want to feel different afterwards. Yeah. So if that osteopath tells me to do A, B, and C, I'll do it because yeah. I've paid sixty pounds. If I go somewhere and they just say, "Oh, I'll do you for nothing," there's a different sort of thing around it. It's just, "Oh, it's free." Yeah. And of course, you appreciate it, but. I, I sort of in the past I've seen people I've done a favour for yeah. somebody and particularly with change because change isn't easy people think oh I'll go and see a therapist or a counsellor or a coach and you know I'll be fine because so and so told me and you know it's okay it it it's really work. is hard work and it's like a constant thing that you have to do and the truth is about human beings human beings really only change when they've had enough yeah that's the truth. Um, so you're working with somebody to change in some way, and you might that person might not like how they how they've got to change because sometimes it's not so much to do with just what you're doing internally, but there's the external as well. Yeah. So, so the people you're hanging out with. Uh, yeah, all kinds of things. The people, work that you're doing. Yeah, your lifestyle, your, your choices, family, your boyfriend, your yeah. sister, your mum your dad yeah so you're asking people to change internally their belief systems and stuff like that but then also if they're with a partner that is it's not working with them for them and you're saying well you know maybe it's not working for you and it, it may be best that you're not with them it's like oh yeah so you know you can go in you have to get into areas of, like that in their lives so what would you say is because i think some people don't know what the word supportive means mm. Sometimes I hear people saying, oh, yeah, I've got really supportive friends. And I think that their understanding of supportive is just their friends saying yes and telling them to do whatever. Whereas, and being like, yeah, "Yeah, do whatever, whatever works for you, whatever you want, do what you want. Whereas if I had a friend who, I don't know, had a boyfriend and had broken up with him five times and was going to go back with him, I would say, what the fuck are you doing? And like, people don't like that because they don't want to hear it. And that's what I think is supportive. But unfortunately, not a lot of people do think that. And I think that's the case with therapy is like you're a support system. And I think, do you think a lot of people think they're going to come to you and they're just going to magically feel better? Like, Oh, gotcha. I think people think that they're going to come and just, you know, you'll tell them a few things and they'll be fine. And overnight they're going to... Yeah. And I think that they're not really going to have, they think that they're not really going to actively have to do anything. Yeah. But they do, because really, the type of therapy I do is, like you just said, I'm like the supportive friend that says, what the fuck are you doing? It's not working. You're unhappy. I don't know how many times we've had this conversation. You need to do something about it. So because I'm not in the conventional system, I'm an NLP trait, I can do it my way. Yeah. Whereas in the NHS, a lot of the stuff that I say or do would not be okay well i'm sure there's a lot of nhs therapists and psychotherapists who do want to say what yeah what, they do but they're sort of they caught can't. up in red tape and they're yeah. not allowed to and i've also had some clients that come and they just want to be sympathized yeah and my type of work is active it's engaging you have to do something 
if you want that, you need to go to like a counsellor where someone's going to say, oh, really, how do you feel about that? That's Which is awful. nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. No, but it's not. That. The thing is with uh, counselling is they're not really allowed to give advice. No, whereas you are allowed to give advice. And yeah. I think not many people know that difference. Yeah. And I can tell a lot of, I mean, there's lots of good counsellors. Of course there are. And like you say, if somebody wants the kind of listening, they just want to be listened to, get it off their chest. Yeah. That's great. If people really dynamic want to change then and they need advice nlp therapy is much yeah. more better yeah i think that it's you have to be clear about what you want yeah okay before you come so what can people do on a daily basis so say somebody that they might not be very mindful they know that they get panicky what's something that they can incorporate on a daily basis well like to I prevent said, anxiety or manage anxiety like i said the breathing yeah um practice mindfulness yeah and i think again you can youtube yeah it's everywhere i'm sure there's a youtube video where there's guided meditation yeah which is really good you just i've got one that i show my clients and that one's really good one and it just they can do it and you can do it in your car yeah you can do it wherever you are you don't have to sit and close your eyes and all that kind of thing you just it's again it's practice you just start to go oh i'm going off here bring myself back Um, what about like uh tangible things like diet exercise yeah i don't know like the surroundings that they're in i mean i know for me i get out with the dogs yeah and that really really helps whatever's going on i just love to i just i'm in nature i might go up the race course and i can hear a pheasant i can i can hear things in the bushes and i'm trying mm. to oh i wonder what that is that a fox or i wonder what's going on there and you can just sort of my mind goes down a different path. Just that makes a difference to me. And they, they do say that... The animals. Nature, well, I listened getting to, out. Yeah. I listened to a podcast last night with a, a medical doctor who... Um, he was Cuban, actually. A really interesting podcast. And um, he said that he had, like, the blood pressure thing around somebody's arm whilst they were stroking a puppy mm. and how just it decreased straight away. But obviously... If you're not in the position to have a dog, it's quite a big responsibility, isn't it? And also oxygen, just getting fresh walking air, walking around and getting oxygen. Yeah, that that completely makes a difference. And doing a bit of exercise, and it's not about going in the gym continuously. No, just just moving, doing something, having a swim. I don't know, just running around with the dogs, just, just getting out, just getting out, getting on a bike. Yeah, it's, it's really important, and food as well. Yeah. So most definitely what? sugar is as I'm finding out now for myself I yeah. think sugar um increases anxiety. Yeah. I listened to another podcast yeah. about that and it makes total sense because it really just spikes your levels and yeah. I, and I'm I mean I've like eaten Ben and Jerry's cookie dough before doing this podcast and I am the biggest sugar addict going and I know that I will have to do something really extreme soon to just cut it out because I have no self-control and I'm I'm quite lucky that I am a worrier and I do overthink things but I'm definitely not an anxious person I don't get anxiety and I think that's because I have loads of little rituals that I do which is probably a product of anxiety but I don't have that overwhelming breathy panic I just don't have that um, but I have noticed that sugar is definitely a trigger. Yeah. Booze and drugs. Yeah. I mean, funny enough, quite, you know, the boys yeah. that come have, you know, they smoke too much weed or they've yeah. been smoking really nasty weed since they were like 
13, 14. Yeah. And by the time they're 16, like 17, 18... Their brains are fried. They are really, like... Some of them are having psychotic episodes and... Or they're just really withdrawn. Have you had any girls with that, with drug stuff? Or would you say say it's a really clear divide between, like, the girls tend to have the ink disorders and the boys tend to have the kind of... What do the boys come to you for? I, well, one client, my client particularly, he was just weed. Yeah. That's what he'd used, that's what he was using <clears throat> to manage his anxiety. Yeah. And he didn't go out or anything. And he had, I mean, it was sad because he had a really uh, horrible, upsetting, he was dumped when he was 17. He was mm. very sensitive, really lovely boy, and went out with this girl, and uh, to cut a long story short, she got... D- he got, he got dumped, dumped yeah but her mother joined in the process as well yeah and he freaked and his parents weren't really equipped to deal with that so he didn't really get support and the right information so he ended up when he came to me he was like 24 25 yeah not had a relationship since then stuck at home smoking video games yeah so do you think um because i know a lot of people don't like to hear it but would you say that, like, do you, do you, do clients tell you if they're taking drugs and do you tell them to stop them. taking drugs? Okay. Because I, I've known so many people that smoke weed and are in denial about it. And I've also known people that have smoked loads of weed and stopped and realised that smoking weed has made them a certain way. And I do think it's a male thing. In regards to the smoking weed and the drug use, do you think that's maybe something that boys tend to do because they don't know how to talk about it? Yeah, whereas girls, okay, you know, they get eating... I mean, boys are getting eating disorders nowadays, sadly, but I think girls talk to each other. Yeah. They always have done and they probably always will, whereas boys don't as a rule. They haven't been, you know, they haven't learned to do that. So it's easier to smoke weed. Yeah. But it just... I mean, when clients come, we have to ask them. And I say to them, I don't care, by the way. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I, I need to know and I'm the... Going to tell you police off. Or, yeah. No. And even if they're young, you know, it's not like I'm going to tell your parents. It's just I, I need to know for information. Well, it's going to have an effect on your brain. And if it has yeah. an effect on your brain, it's going to have a, an effect on your thoughts. Absolutely. And I want to know what drugs they've taken. I don't care if they take them. Yeah. I want to know what they're taking or what they've taken so, because it gives me information. Would you say that... Can say, I just say, yeah, sorry, uh, carry also, on. sometimes telling them to stop isn't really it. Okay. What I've done, I mean, I had... Trigger warning. Yes, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I've had a client that was using a lot of cocaine. Okay. Because he used to get really anxious in his relationship. Particularly when he used to go out, they used to go out and about. Yeah. um, He'd get anxious. Okay. About whether or not she was going to, you know, flirt or something like that. So he was using cocaine to make himself number and to not have the anxiety. So I didn't say to him, just stop it. Because I knew that he wouldn't do that. Yeah. So to begin with, we worked out what point in the evening when he went out, he had a couple of drinks and how much he had when he started to go off. Yeah. And he said, oh, well, after probably if I have like five smallish lines, okay, stop at that then. And it sounds like I'm advocating, but I wasn't. But he did that. And then after about six months, he noticed, oh, 
well, I could still do it and I don't go mad and I don't have upsets and I don't get into fights. And then he slowly sort of weaned himself yeah. down. So, so it's about moderation more yeah, than anything. Moderation. We're not obviously not advocating drug use. No, but, not at all. But, but telling him just stop. Yeah. Well, it's about it. being able to tell somebody something that they're able to do when they leave yeah. their session, isn't it? And yeah. I think it's that baby steps thing as yeah. well. And the um, weed is very difficult. Yeah. It is very difficult to get someone to, you know, wean them off that. What would you, like, for guys that are listening, what what would you recommend to them? Because I think it is tricky for guys, and I think maybe it is getting a bit better. But how how, if, say, they're feeling depressed or lonely or anxious, or what would you say is the first step for them? Would it just be, like, maybe... a like speaking to a, a parent or a friend or because I think there's a lot of guys that don't do that yeah and how would if they don't feel comfortable maybe saying to a friend or a parent is there like a a way of asking for help or like opening up a conversation I suppose it's, it's a difficult one because if you don't have a member of your family and it doesn't matter who it is it could be your brother your mum your dad mm. an auntie a cousin that you feel like you can just say oh I'm feeling really depressed or I'm I've got this I don't know why but I feel really strange and I'm worried I suppose go to your GP <laughs> it's so awful. just call up a doctor yeah because I it's like it's just oh everybody says go to your go to your GP but if you are really in that situation where you just don't feel like you have anybody that you can mm. you know get it off your chest to then a GP I think is better than nothing. Yeah. Because that then that GP can probably direct you somewhere. And if you don't have money to go and see somebody, they you get put on a list. It just takes can, a bit longer, yeah, doesn't it? You can get put on a list, and you can take it. It takes a bit longer. But again, there's lots. There's loads of I. You know, you see on BBC Breakfast and different things. There's young guys that, um, or guys like in their thirties that have had an experience of mm. feeling really depressed and you know that guy that got he was going to jump off the bridge in london and a stranger stopped him mm. did you ever hear about that no i didn't oh it was amazing a stranger just stopped him yeah and um he now has got like a blog and started sessions in london in a cafe mm. for guys to come in and just talk yeah so there's lots of stuff like that now and i suppose it's just Having the thought to Google it, isn't Having it? Having the thought to Google, and young guys are much more tech-savvy than I am, so they'd probably know where to look. But yeah. just typing in, who can I talk to? or And making it a priority, I think, Yeah, it's, it's is really, really important. important. Um, do you have any like success stories that you're really proud of with your clients? <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots. <laughs> and why do you enjoy... Why do you enjoy doing what you do? I enjoy doing what I do because I love seeing somebody that really thinks there's no hope sometimes mm. or there's no way they can change. Yeah. And then they change and they do things that they really never thought they could do or they just, you know, they just feel happy. I mean, I got a text from somebody at the end of last year who I saw for a while and she's really thanked me and said I never thought I'd feel like me again and it, yeah. was, it was so lovely because I remember when she first came to me she said I just don't feel like me anymore so it's that I find really rewarding and I think if I can change anybody can change because mm. I didn't have the best of starts and really 
I sometimes look at my clients and I think they're much more educated than I am. They've had better opportunities. I shouldn't really be sitting here. Yeah. But I feel good about that because I know that I make a difference. And it's a challenge as well, isn't it? Is, it? it is a challenge. I mean, you've got to be really mentally on the ball uh, and three steps ahead all the time. And um, I, I really like that. It stimulates me intellectually. And uh, yeah, I've got quite a few success stories. Is there one that stands out the most to you? Or I guess any client that doesn't come back to you is a success story, isn't it? Yeah. Because it means they've got better. Yeah. I had um, I had a lady who was getting divorced and she was very upset and I helped her. And she had two kids and her son was 16. And uh, he had got really quite withdrawn and obviously he was really anxious about it all and felt torn and all that mm. kind of thing. And he ended up, this was before I saw him, he ended up in hospital and he was in a hospital for about three, four days and it was like his body had seized up mm. and his shoulders and everything were in really bad pain. He had everybody come in and they didn't know what was wrong with him. And she said, can I just bring him up? Can you see him? And I said, well, I'll give it a go. And um, I did. And it was basically just because he was so upset. Mm. He felt really torn between his parents didn't know how to communicate, so didn't communicate. Just used to go to his room and, you know, keep it Hold all it in. in. And we talked, had the session, and he started to cry. And I just went over and I said, I'm going to hug you. Is that all right? Yeah, we had a big card. I just let it go. Mm. Just And he just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And all of his pain went. It was amazing. So even... Even if you have, I don't know, maybe there's like a guy listening that might be thinking like, oh, I wouldn't know how to start a conversation with a friend. It would be too awkward or I don't really want to go to my doctor because it's the family doctor that I've seen for years. Mm -hmm. You could essentially just go to a therapist to just cry for an hour if you wanted to and it would still be better than holding it in in your bedroom. Yeah, and the thing is sometimes going to somebody that isn't your family or friends is a lot easier. It's so much easier and so much better because, you know, they're they're not putting their stuff on it and their view on it. You know, I think for boys as well, what you've got to remember is all boys are thinking and feeling like that. Yeah. So it just takes one to say to another guy... Oh, I'm feeling really depressed. Do you ever get like that? And yeah. And probably go, oh, fuck, yeah, of course I do. Thank God. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that you're all in the same boat and probably everybody's waiting for everybody else to do it. Yeah, so it just takes a bit of courage to be the yeah. person that initiates yeah. it, I think. Cool. So just to wrap up, do you have a favourite quote? I'm going to ask everybody this. A favourite quote or a saying or something you do to perk yourself up when you're feeling down? What's your one? I think I know what it is. Dalai Lama. Oh, okay. No, it's not. (laughs) Nothing's permanent. Okay, interesting. Why do you like that one? Because everything changes. And when you remember that nothing's permanent, when you really get it, you don't become attached to being happy, even. You don't become attached to being sad or anxious because it will pass. I was talking about this before, about how we're very, like, set on either happy or sad. Yeah. Or it has to be this way or that way, when actually it's not really realistic. Yeah. I think also, weirdly, with, like, body image and, like, women's bodies as well. Like, I listened to, again, another podcast the other day, and a woman was saying, um, she was a doctor, and she was saying a woman's body is not meant to be the same 
um, in a month. Like a man's body is, but women run on cycles. Yeah. And so they're not going to be the same at the beginning of the month as they yeah. are at the end of the month. And I think that's like a good approach is that we're yeah. always moving and changing and you can't get too stuck on being one way yeah. or the other. Well, the mindfulness helps that one because when you get that nothing's permanent... You're, you, you can you let can, go you can let go of it and it is about letting go you just let go so happiness is just happiness and great I've got it I'm happy at the moment but it probably could it's probably going to change tomorrow so you like you say you don't become attached so if you're not becoming attached to um, particularly negative feelings you're not triggering those thoughts so much yeah so they don't happen so they don't happen so much and can I just say I meant to yeah. say earlier on about tips something that I tell my clients and I also do myself when you're stressed and anxious is you ask yourself what's the worst that can happen yeah and when I mean that what I mean by that you don't go what's the worst oh it could all fuck up no you take yourself completely to the end of the absolute worst that can happen the reality of it mm. and when you do that you go okay if I don't get any more work because I'm self-employed and then I can't pay my mortgage you go all oh, right well I'll be homeless okay yeah. okay if i'm homeless what will i do and then you yeah. make so you make a plan and then you say what's the best that can happen and it always outweighs the well, worst the chance is that it's usually somewhere in between that but what we don't do because we're scared we don't go right to the end of the yeah. fear and that i find really really helps because then you just make plans and then yeah. you realize well the worst that could happen is i could die yeah well you're not going to die you but we're all going to die yeah, anyway. You, so. might just, you might not get that job and you might not be able to pay your rent, but you can go live back with your parents. Yeah. You don't particularly want to, but... Yeah. yeah. So finally, what does health mean to you and when do you feel the most healthy? I feel the most healthy when I'm happy. Okay. And I think there's no real point in having a healthy body if you don't have a healthy mind. And yeah. The two are sort of interlinked. So it's getting a balance of both of those yeah but I know having a healthy mind really helps yeah because once you've got a healthy mind you feel more like doing stuff to make your body yeah healthier but I feel really healthy when I when I feel sort of happy and calm okay does cool. that make sense yeah of course it does mm. that's what everybody says yeah. cool so that was I hope that's helped some people maybe made people feel a bit more normal and that anxiety is just kind of normal just thoughts it's just thoughts so like anything to finish off yeah just like what you just said there that people what people do is they panic and they get fearful about the fact that they've got that state going on and if you can remember that it's more to do with what you're doing with all of that as opposed to the fact that there's just thoughts and feelings going on it becomes easier to manage yeah but we do get stuck on the getting, panic just getting stuck in it yeah and we, yeah we blow it up and we put give it fuel yeah so to speak but nobody on the planet is without anxiety mm. and bits of stress and issues it's just human condition and i know i said i was going to finish but what can somebody who would come to see you for a session what can they expect from it or what do you try and give in it i think from listening to this you can probably tell that it's not like a stuffy 
sort of no, clock no, no, ticking no. in the background, like no. lying down on a sofa thing. No, I have a laugh. I really like to have a laugh because I think really also it's really important to be able to laugh at yourself. And yeah. I find with clients sometimes they, you know, they they get the madness. I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but yeah. you know, when I get my madness, and it's great when you see them, they they get like, oh my god, that's really mad. Why why did I do that? Or why did I think that? And then they they smile and they laugh and it's like they they've not taken themselves seriously or they've yeah. seen that they have and that can be really freeing so i have a i like to have a good time i make it fun and they they can expect to come and one piece of information can make all the difference it's really funny you can see somebody for two months and then one little thing that you say which they'll repeat back to you six months later and you think oh, i don't even remember <laughs> They say, oh, Rose, I remember you saying, and I think, did I? <laughs> and um, it's not like so much all the, the profound amazing, stuff yeah, yeah, that you've learned. <laughs> it's like something really, really simple. Yeah. And um, that is how it works because it's wherever that person is with themselves. And people do want advice as well. Yeah. Sometimes people really do want to be told, why don't you try this? Yeah. Why don't you stop doing that? Oh, right. Okay. So I think with me, it's, you know, it's quite dynamic. Okay. And I don't want to see them for too long. That's the truth. Yeah. I feel like if they're coming for too long, I mean, the eating disorders take longer, but people with confidence issues, anxiety and stuff like that, they're not like long term endless stuff. It's actually, once you know what you're doing internally... It's actually quite easy to um, walk out and go, do you know what? I, I don't feel need better it anymore. already, yeah. Yeah. So all in all, therapy is not something to be scared of. It's just no, just a little chapter. Yeah. And I think it's also important for people to realise that you might have it once and then be okay for a bit and then need to like check back in Absolutely. and that kind of thing. So I have clients I haven't seen for two, three years. Then, then they call or they suddenly say, oh, can you give me a bit of advice with this? So... Yeah, it's like a top-up thing. Yeah. It's like an MOT. Yeah. I think, you know, the problem is we're we're sort of conditioned to achieve academically. We're not conditioned to learn about how our brains work. Yeah. So our brains end up running us. When yeah. Actually, with what I do is I show people how they can... Run, run their, their brains. brains. Yeah. Cool. I think that's a good way to finish. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening everybody thanks mum thank you (laughs) you're welcome um yeah hope you've enjoyed this and we're going to be doing another one on self-esteem so um keep (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) so keep posted for that one thank you